Welcome to episode number four of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about an Alkaline Trio song. This week is Live Young, Die Fast. Hey, all right. <laughs> all right Woo. so we are here episode number four of as you were a podcast about alkaline trio my name is tim crisp i am david anthony thank you for coming back if you're coming back thank you for coming for the first time if you're coming for the first time apologies in advance if this is your favorite alkaline trio song also be sure to look at episode number one where we kind of explain the format but we could also do a little brief introduction to that right mm-hmm. now. What we have is a few separate playlists cataloging the Alkaline Trio's discography. We are on playlist number three. Last week, we did Armageddon from playlist number two. Mm-hmm. Now we're on number three, and we have this song. Well, it's also interesting because this is the playlist. We, I think we established this a little bit in episode one. This is the playlist where I don't think you've heard, you've heard, not heard most of it. So here's my history of the Alkaline Trio post-Vagrant. I downloaded Agony and Irony when it came out. I was in college. I put it on to my iPod Classic. I walked to a party. I got to about track five, and I said... I think I'm done. Mm-hmm. I think I'm done with the Alkaline Trio. It wasn't angry. I wasn't... I just was like, the, the band, I don't think this band has anything for me anymore. They gave me a sure. lot, but sure, not really going to find too much here. Fair enough. I had a very different experience. Uh, I was still... Following Crimson, I was still very all in on this band. Yeah. Um, I was interested to see what they were going to do with this record. Um, I remember getting it, and this is a record I remember trying very hard to like. I you think must have tried so hard. I tried hard. I will say, especially having seen them a lot touring this record, uh-huh. I think some songs definitely were improved live, but not many of them. Um, and I also remember, you know, they were uh, making this record, you know, in a very public way and like we're sh- like uploading like demo versions of stuff to their like fan club website uh-huh. and like like acoustic versions and some of those that were coming out in advance I was like, "Oh, this sounds pretty good. Like yeah, the songs yeah. are there." And I still think on the whole there are songs that are there, but they are, you know, just covered in layers of things that do not do them any favors. Yeah. And I I think that I got that inclination right away mm-hmm. listening mm-hmm. to that record it just it's and and crimson i didn't like crimson when it came out i have revisited it and it is one of my favorite alkaline trio records mm-hmm. i love the production on crimson so to establish that i'm not anti-production one bit but this this just has a really like glossy like big production feeling to it that ages so poorly. People want to talk about yeah. 80s yeah. production being bad. Talk about like the beginning of like digital in the mid 2000s. Oh, it's rough, Fuck. especially because, you know, this record 
develop something that I think on this record and especially the one that follows it, this addiction, are my least favorite Alkaline Trio things where they are basically using sound effects in songs. Yeah. This record has a lot of that where I don't mind, like, I like Crimson. When it came out, I really like Crimson. Um, you know, I like them kind of expanding on what they were doing. I didn't mind them using things that betrayed the word trio in their name and sure. using synths and keys and some program things. If the song is good, yeah, this is so sterile. It's so stereotypical major label debut record that it, it's really kind of difficult to uh, unpack some of that. And though I think they tried by having like a record full of acoustic B-sides that I think do show some songs in better lights, some better than others. And it's really the start of some of Dan's best songs being uh, shuttled onto the the deluxe edition uh, Uh, B-side stuff. Which is a pretty rough thing. So, so, you know, one of the things that we we were approaching, but we kind of got derailed for a second there, is that I have... Like by choice, and we've decided it would be interesting for this, uh, you know, this playlist, this this aspect of of the podcast as a whole, is that I haven't gone and listened to these records again. Yeah, I'm experiencing these one at a time, first time, one at a time, first time, and I'm going into it, you know, partially based on my experience with Crimson. Being like, you know, I bought that record the day it came out and I was like, oh man, this is just not doing it for me. I'm not really into it. But I have like, yeah, gone back and I I like the way it sounds now. I like the production. I don't have a problem with the lyricism on it. So that coupled with the fact that I would love to be antagonistic to you here where I know that you hate this song. Yeah. And I put it on lot. last night and I'm just like, I'm like, all right, like I can't wait to come in tomorrow and just be like, oh, it's not that bad, but it's bad. It's bad. It's, it's really bad. Pretty bad right away. It's, I remember before even hearing this song, them releasing the track list of it. Uh-huh. This song and another one, which has a very similar naming structure hint dropping a hint foreshadowing yeah being like those songs have to be the worst songs they've ever they're not gonna be good and i would say up until that point those two songs this one and clue were probably the songs that i could stand in their catalog the least like i would say when i heard this the first time i was like this is the worst alkaline trio song yeah and i mean like coming from you know where you come from with this band yeah it's tough to not be hurt by it. It was like, definitely borderline offended by it. it uh, oh, this was an offensive one to me. Uh-huh. Because there's a lot of songs on this record that fit this kind of ballady structure, yeah. which I don't even mind. I think there are good times they do that on earlier records. I think there are decent times they do it on this record. You know, and part of me wanted to see them like enjoying Crimson for what it was. I wanted to see them go a little further with it right uh-huh. because i think that's that's the great tragedy of alkaline trio to me is that people reacted so poorly to every new development in their sound that i feel like they kind of had to run from it yeah you sure. know but i like it when they're ambitious uh-huh. i like it when I they do try well. to do something right. they can't pull off and i think sometimes that yields their greatest successes uh-huh. however this is just so 
it just wants to be on the radio. It yeah. just wants to be a song you hear, you know, just like you're at the Wendy's drive through and uh-huh. this is just kind of quietly playing in the background while you wait for your nuggets. Like that's what this song is. Uh-huh. That's all it is meant for. <laughs> I think that the image of that too kind of fits with the you know the complete lack of nutritional value that you get from it. <laughs> I mean, just I like, I just you know we, we've really kind of glossed over this fact in the preceding podcast, uh-huh. but we are also a nutrition podcast. Right. So you know we you come to us, we talk about alkaline trio songs, and we also tell you where they fall on you know the food pyramid. This this you rub it against the wall and you can see through it. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. So. I guess from from your standpoint then of you know wanting really hard to like it yeah and then hearing it and like feeling that it's bad yeah like what what do you what do you do with that are you like actively telling people that this sucks I, that's the thing is like I'm definitely not into it and the people I know who like them are not into it. Uh-huh. Like, I think at the time, I'm really just trying to fight hard for the things I do think are good on it. Right. Which are not many. Uh-huh. You know, even then and really in retrospect. Yeah. Um, As you might have noticed, if you listen to episode one, I did not rate this their worst record because I don't think it is. Uh-huh. I think there are some really interesting things, but I also remember seeing them play before this record had come out and they played one song from this record, which is not this, and just being like, ooh, I don't like that. Yeah. And it was hard for me to shake that. I also remember going to see them on the tour in support of this. Uh-huh. Um, and they played, I think probably the only time they've played House of Blues in Chicago, which felt really gross to me. Oh, yeah. For That's, a lot of reasons. Uh-huh. But I remember that set very it's specifically. the Wendy's drive-thru of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> you can literally buy, at least now, a fucking soft pretzel there. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. And... Which I do love soft pretzels. Nothing yeah, I was those. Gonna... But, you know, I'm, I'm here to see the rock and roll. I don't want to pay $9 for a soft pretzel. It's been yeah, sitting yeah, there all day. Yeah. But I remember at that show, like, they played some of the songs that I think are good on this record. Uh-huh. But I remember they played, and I don't know if I've seen them do this since, they played all of, like, the I Lied My Face Off EP. They wow. Were, they had four year lungs only on the set list and skipped it because Dan was having technical issues, which is one of my favorite songs. Oh, I love that and song. I've never seen them play that and like would really? kill to see them play yeah. that song. Oh, that's um, so good. So like I went to see them live and they were playing stuff I liked and they were throwing in some deep cuts and I was like, uh-huh. okay, like maybe they're aware, like maybe they are, right? you know, like live some of the tracks on this record. I was like, all right, yeah, like in a set, like this isn't really offensive. It doesn't really bother me. It's a little more pared down to what they do. Uh-huh. But like the, a track like this, which is a so ballady, so layered and just like it feels like everyone's trying way too hard and not enough at the exact same time. Yeah. It's hard for that's me a, to make sense. Right. Of it. That's a really really interesting way to put it because it's this song just crawls. It's <sighs> so lazy. It's when we've talked that you've talked about songs you felt were lazy before. Right. This one is just I can't believe this song is over four minutes long. It feels eight minutes long. Like it just drags. There is okay. no momentum to this fucking thing. I I'm I'm not kidding. I listened to this song for the first time last night and getting ready for the podcast, what I did was I, I queued up the last last episode we did. I did Armageddon twice. Mm-hmm. I did this song twice 
and I did the next episode twice. Yes. I was writing down my notes on my phone, and this song was over, and it started again, and I was, I was like, I thought it played twice. I literally yeah. thought it yeah. played twice. It no, it very much has that. It, like the problem is that like, I didn't listen to it a second time either. I mean, you don't need to. Uh-huh. You will need to listen to a second version of it. Yes, but if the main riff, that guitar riff, is just nothing. It's uh-huh. try. It's like just a step up from just playing power chords, but there's no life in it. Right. It's just it's it's slow, and there's just like you know, movements within the chord that, you know, he does, he does, he did that well eight years ago. Hell yeah. yes is a really, really great example. A perfect of just example. This sim- that's, that's the same basic chord, but it's just, you know, it's the notes within the chord that change. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening here, but it's just, it's sludgy. It's got no life to it. And when the band comes in, there's even less life. It, well, not only is there less life, there's just like weird things that like, there's tripping over their toes here. Yeah. Like, cause this is a song where I think they could tell like, all right, there's not a lot going on. Derek, do whatever the fuck you want. Try and make this big. And he is just, this is one of the rare times I will say, Derek's fucking overplaying hard yeah like just all these stops and symbols and Uh just like all these things that do not need to be happening because i think they're trying to save a sinking ship right he's trying way too hard while skeeb is not trying hard enough the producer's probably like well if we just add more guitar layers we'll get there yeah you do not fucking get there you don't get there and i think the fact that there is that like stop before the verse it's just like Oh man! Because it's already done. It's There's already done. Already, it's already written that this is not going to be a good thing. It's one of those things where, like, there's so much of their early catalog where, like, stops for like a split second. All this shit are really what make a song pop. Uh-huh. You know, the, the stop on a dime, really, you know, twisting things that they would do in construction was really huge for them. Yeah, that doesn't translate to a major label record in a studio. And I respect them for like still having those impulses because arguably it's the last time they did. Yeah. But boy, like when, you know, it's that thing. Like you, you put punk kids into a multi million dollar studio and they're still kind of writing those songs by that point. Right. It is not going to come across. Well, I mean, because, yeah, it's, it's like go back to cringe and yeah. go back to those stops. There's vigor. To that yeah there's a feeling like you know this band is is practicing in in an eight by ten space and they're all like cueing each other on a stop you can't get that no. when you've got 24 tracks yeah that just you know you see the levels on them drop and then they pick yep. up and i'm sure like i here's something i'm gonna say that i think like you know, you asked me about like how I felt with this coming out. I it already had my experience with a record like this uh-huh. a year prior called New Wave. Yeah, sure. Where I felt the exact same way about it. So I had two bands that I grew up loving really make similar jumps that I thought were bad. Yeah. New Wave got a lot of acclaim. I know a lot of people who like it. Uh-huh. This record also was acclaimed upon release, and it's confounding to me. Well... Here's an interesting thing that I've picked up on when it comes to bands that have a developed following is that 
a publication, um, you know, bigger than a punk planet yeah. is going to going to come to them later. Yes. So the AV Club gave this a B plus. Yes. That's probably because the AV Club became aware of the Alkaline Trio three years ago. Well, it's funny you mention that because the writer of that review, Kyle Ryan, worked at Punk Planet throughout the 90s and 2000s. Wow. Um, God, he's good. I can't slip anything past him. Yeah. Um, he also did, you know, he reviewed Crimson, which I think he gave a very favorable review to. Uh-huh. I recently unearthed an interview with him and Dan around that time where both him and Dan talk about how nobody liked Good Morning, which we can get to later. Wow. But feels like it that is not a world i was existing in at that time but uh-huh. anyway you know i because I, I i understand the impulse you're a band going into a studio you know you have all this money you have all the support you want to make i'm sure in the room record uh-huh. that and listen back to that you're like yeah this sounds oh, fucking man, great this sounds so great and, you yeah. know i can't speak for kyle uh uh-huh. you know though we know each other and i respect you know like we we have disagreements but i respect him as what he's done like I, I do wonder how much of it is like, you know, you're getting older. You're in your 30s. Yeah, sure. Y- you don't need a goddamn it anymore. Uh-huh. You know, maybe maybe there is part of you that you're like, oh, yeah, like there's some good stuff on here. And like this is them doing the big all r- r- record right. Right. And, and I also think tr- it, it's, he's probably got something invested in Alkaline Trio, a band that he loves, being successful. Totally. Well, there's that. And there's also like... I'm trying to, you know, put it in the context of that time. Like, it's a post-New Wave world. Right. We are now experiencing the second wave Uh of little loved punk bands selling out, right? Right, We're going through it again. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You're talking, like, back to Vagrant with Armageddon, what we just talked about in episode three. Okay. You know, because, like, there was the 94 boom with Green Day, 2004 boom with Green Day's American Idiot. Uh Uh-huh. You know, it's, again, that kind of windfall I'm saying it's also really one of the last periods where records were really selling. And, yeah. you know, like, do I fault uh, against me for making New Wave a record I don't like? No. Do I like it anymore? No. Uh-huh. I never did. And it's the same thing with this. Like, I don't fault someone for, like, all right, if we're going to do it, let's do it. But I think Against Me did it slightly better where it's like, we are going to make a radio rock record. I think Alkaline Trio tried to do that but didn't commit to the premise. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting take on it. And I think that, like... Against me, it's like see through what they're doing, and it also differs a little bit. Yeah, and this just feels like it just feels like Alkaline Trio just sort of like declining into this weird Ooh, yeah. phase. Where what's interesting to me is thinking about the show that you described, where they are aware of the fact that what they're doing now is not their best stuff sure but to write a song called live young die fast which is just completely completely lacking in any self-awareness yeah so what is this then well if you know that you if you know that you used to be good and you're having a really hard time like keeping up like this song is it's just like a parody of what an alkaline trio song title would be but they actually commit to the concept yeah well i mean it's it's definitely when i think the band always verged on self-parody a little bit right they were always so kind of over the top it was easy to lob jabs at them and, and that's fair you know 
but I think that's what made them special is there was slightly a self-awareness there. They knew when they were being goofy, I think. Well, I think that it's interesting to to talk too about uh, people not liking Good Morning because I could, I remember going to college and being a freshman and the older kids that liked Alkaline Trio all hated Good Morning. Yeah. And I was like, that's whack. That record's fucking good. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's several, you know, mini generations of Alkaline Trio fans where it's kind of, it's dependent on your starting place. My starting place was, you know, the beginning of Vagrant going back and finding it. But like still, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in a position to be like, this is, you know, the third Alkaline Trio record I've heard. And I'm starting to like lose it a little bit, maybe. Like that didn't happen to me until Crimson. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 interesting to me to consider what is going through your brain mm-hmm. when you've had you've already had people that are jumping ship two records ago on a good record. Yeah. And now you're making this, which is just objectively not good. Yeah. Well, and I, I do wonder, like, obviously I was not in the room when this was being written or right. created or recorded or the label was there. Right. You know, I, I think I think the label did something that is like very, you know, transparent with releasing the regular edition and a deluxe edition simultaneously to cash in on the rabid fan base and to really get like yeah. those two CD sales out of one or whatever, what uh-huh. have you. Um but I also can talk about a sinking ship. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. You know, 2008, we're, we're hitting the downturn in the industry. Records were still kind of selling a couple years before then, but not nearly as much. And now it's, well, it's, I mean the fact that alkaline trio is charting as, as they are, this record went to 13. Yeah. yeah. The, that's, that's a really good indication of like, okay, here's this little niche band. And you know, 15 years ago with the same fan base, they're not charting. Well, yeah. And it's, you know, like I do wonder how much of it is, is kind of given to the, like the idea of like, all right, well, you know, um, you guys wrote all these songs that maybe, maybe the producer loved this one. Maybe uh-huh. the fucking label loved this one. Maybe like, this is going to be single number three right there. Boom. Yeah. You know, but none of that really ended up happening. So I, it's hard to really pinpoint, you know, I'd like to think they know better, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they thought this is the type of stuff they needed to write then. You know, they not only were had a fucking deal with Epic, they had a deal with Nike. They released a shoe and yeah. messenger bags along with this record. Right. This was this was a fucking go for broke sellout moment. Which you know, like if you're gonna go all out, like if Nike was like, We're gonna give you a shoe, it's like, all right, fine. Right, yeah. You know, sure. sure. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, you guys used to be a bike messenger. Here's a messenger bag. Okay, fine. Sure. So, okay. Go back to Against Me because they did it very successfully. They did. And Alkaline Trio doesn't do it successfully at all. Is there any difference for you in your relationship towards both of those bands? Does it make, does it make sense I what know, I'm I know what you mean. I When Against Me signed, I was livid. Yeah. That was probably the only time I was ever like truly upset at someone signing. By the time Alkaline Trio did it, you know, they'd signed a V2, which then went under, which was technically like a major label subsidiary, which arguably 
that's no different than a band being on Matador or Epitaph or Vagrant at a certain point. Uh-huh. Because they are, you know, Matador, sure, you're an indie label, but you are majority owned by a major label. Yeah. Doesn't fucking matter, you know? So by the time Alkaline Trio... You hate indie rock. Yeah. So by the time uh, Alkaline Trio signed, I had grappled with it. Yeah. But there was a difference, right? Alkaline Trio was never writing songs about how they're going to play in your local anarchist bookstore for time immemorial. Right. They were not playing that song in stadiums opening for the Foo Fighters. Uh-huh. Um, I was more slighted by the Against Me one. However, the big difference is there are Against Me records that have come out since that I like. Yeah. And that is not the same really here. And I think the Alkaline Trio one, was it was much more personal. I had had an Alkaline Trio tattoo by this point. Uh-huh. Really hard first record to come out after that experience. Yeah, jeez. You know, real difficult. Because it's like, this is just, you know, going back to that generational, you know, gaps within this band. Like, there are probably kids that were 15 years old when the song came out who loved it. Sure. And still probably do and hold it in high regard. As as someone who, you know, as I was talking about them releasing stuff early for the Blood Pack, their fan club, which I was a member of uh-huh. proudly. Yeah. Um, and I do think was actually interesting because you saw that type of stuff and they would upload videos and be on there interacting. Well, that's it, probably, yeah, like one of, the, one of the benefits that they did get from that major label relationship is that they probably said, we want to do this thing. Well, they did that around Crimson. Oh, okay. So, th- I, so I it was know. their own thing. But point uh-huh, being, yeah, like, yeah, they, yeah. it definitely expanded it, right? Sure. And you would get to watch them sound check and they would play songs. You guys, I don't know. It was like, it was an interesting thing. And it was, you know, that wasn't really happening at the time. Uh-huh. Point being, like, I remember this record came out and less than a week later, a kid already had uh, Live Young, Die Fast tattooed on his collarbone. Damn. Which, that's the person I want to know how they feel about it now. Uh-huh. Because I'm sure people liked it. But did you like it that much in the first week? <sighs> and you yeah. probably booked that tattoo appointment before the record was out. Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. I it's mean, hard to say. Where but... is he? Where is he getting this tattoo? Maybe it's a maybe it's a small town. Maybe maybe he heard it at Wendy's parking lot and, and he, he was all in and he went right across the street. But to the here, here's another big thing that we've not talked about. We've not really talked about this in any episode yet, but I think it's really important here. This song's lazy. How lazy is that fucking artwork for this record? It was pretty bad. You know, like it just feels so much like we are. No one is trying. Uh huh. Nobody is giving a shit. You know, like <laughs> that's how I feel about so many parts of this album, this release, and this fucking song. Yeah, it's like you know that vocal melody comes in, and it's like this is he. I feel like every slow song from like. 2004 to you know i don't know because i stopped listening but every slow song just has this like laconic delivery yeah yeah and it's just like it's so obvious that there's there's no nothing that's been put into it it's it seems to be that he's relying on the imagery of his words yeah which uh boy the, uh, this song, like many on this record, 
about nothing. Yeah. I will say there is one great lyric in it because it feels so pointed at him and it makes sense that it's in a song this bad, which is, I think it's at the end of the second verse. It's hard to know where I'm at in the song because it's forever uh-huh. long. It's but when he fucking j- 45 minutes long. The, the last line before one of those terrible stops they do uh-huh. is him saying, I've never been big on originality. Yeah. And... It's true. Like Matt Skiba, for as much as I love him, he's not the most original thinker or writer. I, as a writer, Matt Skiba has five things that he does really well. Hit me. And well, I'm not like five exact. I'm saying like five types of songs yeah. that he does really well. And you could probably make a good flow chart of like where it stops being good. Yeah. But the thing about this is that this doesn't come from this doesn't come from the beginning. It's not like it's no. not like you can trace, you know, the chords in a song like Sadie. It's like, oh, that's a fucking that's a Skiba riff. Sure. That goes back to Hell Yes, that goes back to fucking Yes. You know, I lie my face off. But like the <sighs> This is just like a later development in this band that is only really based on the like gothic imagery. The, yeah. the the Alkaline Trio institution breeds this. Well, it's it's the Alkaline Trio institution and it's like also we need to talk about the fact that like dating back to from here to infirmary the band really loves these like puns and uh-huh. play on word shit yeah. like you know crimson was supposed to be called what was it church and destroy yeah and like good morning from here uh-huh. to infirmary you know like right, right, right. this is not <laughs> there are bad lyrics early so it's it's hard for me to critique that but like live young die fast just being like such a play on like that old fucking trope yeah is uninspired when you like you're 17 right He's not seventeen. Yeah, I mean, not to, not to go too far, but like that, like that phrase, and where that comes from. That's like only the good die young. Like that's just like there's bullshit. That's just mayonnaise sandwich bullshit. Yeah. That means nothing. Yeah. That it it's just it's it's like one of the most empty forms of communication and it's like that's what you're going to play off of this thing that has no like relevance beyond fucking like live laugh love shit that you can buy at target and put on your wall like you're not he's not pointing out anything he's not it's it's making a pun off of from here to eternity like i mean that's like at least clever and this it's is just like you're, you're you're out of you're out of like original content to rip off. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is like this is a, a conversation I've had with another friend of mine who's a, who's deep in Alkaline Trio, much like myself. Is like the real death of Skiba creatively, which you see pop up first. I would say on Good Morning, really. Yeah. Well, is expanded. Miranda Infirmary. Well, you know what I'm going to say. Yet. Listen to episode three, Crimson. He he has a few songs that very much fit this template, and uh-huh. I really think this is where it takes hold. He stops being able to write about himself, so he just starts writing about things like books he's read and movies he's seen. Right. And this feels like not even a book he read, not even a movie he saw. 
he saw a novelty t-shirt and then was like, oh, well, I could play on this. You know, yeah, like, right, he right, was right. walking down the boardwalk, saw this fucking hanging next to the ski ball and was like, you know what? Here we go. Oh, yeah. Hey, let me log that one. You know, it sounds no. like ski ball skiba. This t-shirt, me and you and me, we're going to get there. It's I guess it's funny, you know, to look at it. And, you know, that's a point that I like wholeheartedly agree with. Mm-hmm. And but you know through good morning and into crimson like it's it's fucking dumb that he wrote a song about susan atkins yeah but that song's good i like that song good song and it's also like people can do that right people can do that very well Uh i think there are times where he succeeded but i think it's just because you know now he's a fucking major label boy like what what do you got to do like what is your life you are Uh you've been living in california for ever now your entire life is skateboarding and hanging out with at this point jeffrey star yeah like what is what are you doing what what is what are your inspirations aside from like having a pretty cushy existence as a singer of like a mid-tier pop punk band right and i mean you get to you get into like you know the the extremes of of what happens to people who just spend time in a reality that like they only exist in yeah. Marlon Brando becomes 400 pounds. You know, it's like, it's, it's, not, it's obviously, it's not to Matt that Skiba thinks he's a witch, <laughs> you know, let's get real. Yeah. I mean, nobody expects, nobody expects him to, you know, be drinking 24 old styles a night and, and, you know, be singing about going to work hungover. Yeah. Like I get that. There's no headwind and cold Wayne rain waking him I like saying wayne um but you know at the exact same time it's just like you've got to have some fucking skin in the game this record just feels like no one had skin in the game like no one was really invested as to whether or not it worked this song is the reason by hoobastank the here's the thing the reason at least has a hook i mean yeah it does that's why it's duck yeah <laughs> didn't even commit to the hook but you know just that like like there's this attempt at being you know big sentimental ballad and there's just no substance to it and, and here's the here's the last major point i want to make about this song before we uh start talking about this song in a different light uh-huh which is that prior to this record they released a song on a warp tour compilation in 2007 that I would argue is the last great song they ever wrote. And I remember hearing that and loving that song, Uh revisiting that song, still thinking it's great and being like, wow, if they're going to make a major label record, that sounds like a refined version of their earlier selves on good morning. Uh That would be amazing. Yeah. We did not get that. We got this very hollow hoobastank light. That is agony and irony. Well, then why, I guess like what propels it? You know, is it is it that he just wants to write a hit or is it like is this in reaction to people not liking Good Morning? And he's like, well, if you don't like it, then I'm fucking going all in on everything you didn't like about it. I mean, I think there's that. Right. But I, I think we also have to, you know, really get to the point that like, you know, when you get to that level. You're surround. No one's gonna tell you what you're doing sucks. Uh huh. I think in the 
earliest stages of this band, up through Crimson, they were not immune to the people around them calling bullshit. Yeah, sure. Maybe those people calling bullshit were reactionary and maybe short-sighted to the quality of some of the work they were creating. Right. Maybe it was not for them. All of that is valid. But when you were so removed and insulated from anyone who's going to tell you this is not a good idea. Yeah. It's very easy to just like play something, look around the room and be like, yo, is that okay? Yeah. And everyone's just like, yeah, I don't know, totally, totally cool. And yeah. I, f- I feel like that's like one of the worst images to have of a band that's deep into their career. Yeah. Is you hear a song that's just like, you see the room and you see them just being like, cool, you got it? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yep. sounds yeah, good. Just the the uh-huh. engineer holding the thumb up and being right. like, this is cool. Yeah, this is totally. And, yeah. and that's like... I think that that's one of the hardest things to swallow with a band that that's been doing it for a long time is, is that there's just like, all right, here's this riff. Like I got it. Do it four times. Cool. Let's well, go. and here, here's the thing where we're going to pivot a little bit, right? Cause this is one of, one of the songs that really has a, a second version Yeah, that was released on the deluxe edition. There's an acoustic version of this song. And now, you had not heard that, or I think even been aware of it, and basically until we were about to turn on mics and do this and you right. listen to it. Yeah. And there's a couple things that are important about it. I don't think lyrically it's better presented that way. Uh-huh. In fact, it really shows the blemishes of the, the lyric writing all the more. But I do think as a song, as an acoustic song with some like kind of like synthy keys rising in the chorus. Yeah. It's not as bad. It's not good, but it's. Le- I could see why if they if he sat down, ran through it, had that little thing ready. It's like, oh, okay, I can yeah, see this, this as a demo. I can right. see why we would pursue this. Uh huh. But it just does not work. Beefed up. Also, that acoustic song is a minute shorter and really trims a lot. Right. That's the thing. There's no. There's no parts that are cut out of it. It's just. It's not. It's the same song, shorter. Fucking crawl that happens on the electric version, and yeah, like I, when you put that on, I was like, this is so non. It's not offensive. It's that's the thing is, that's how I felt because I had not listened to this acoustic version in years. I had not listened to this actual song in years because why would I? Right. Um, but you know, when I first listened to it in preparation for this and and heard the you know, the abomination that is the four minute album version. I immediately saw, I was like, Oh yeah, there's the acoustic version. And I was like, Whoa, do I like this song? And the answer is no, but it comes closer to being a decent filler track. Right. And what I said to you then, I think is a good, is a good point uh, to bring up here. It's like the, the bare bones of it. Like if I went to see alkaline trio next week and matt came out for an encore and did this acoustic it wouldn't be what i wanted but i wouldn't be like oh fuck off well yeah i mean that's the big part of it right and it it doesn't feel as offensive this Uh way and like those little stops he does they make more sense on the acoustic because it's a natural strumming pattern it's not an entire band weaving around a thing that's kind of shoehorned in there and i also want to say like you know talking about the disappointment of it he had been releasing songs kind of 
post Crimson in this era that I think are really good. Like Demons Away is one of the best songs I think he has in that period that was on the Protect comp. You know, there was that Warp Tour song on that comp. Uh-huh. There were good What's songs. What's the Warp Tour song? Just say it. It's called Fire Down Below. Oh, okay. I don't know that um, song either. So, you know. Nothing to contribute here. So, like, those songs show that, like, yeah, he's got something in the tank, right? Sure. He, yeah, you know. Yeah. But this is just like, you know, it's not a bad song. It's decent space filler on a record. But like all built out this way. Yeah. It's just there's nothing going on. Right. And I think that it all all these factors just like bring to light the emptiness of it and the laziness of it. And just this like it, it there's really just nothing there other than like other than like we're the alkaline trio we're we're a dark band and it's funny because yeah like i don't know if they played this song live until they did those full album shows like Uh i feel like this song was from the jump yeah not something anyone liked then why i don't know i don't know this did the record need to be loving tracks maybe i don't know I would say, like, I would need to look at the track list again to, like, say maybe that this is the worst Skiba song that got pushed on there. But there are two Dan B-sides that I think deserve a place on this record before this. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and I guess the, there's a lot of a lot of navel-gazing that could go into, uh, you know, wondering if there's someone that's just like, uh, why don't you... Put a ballad right there. Well, there's Did that. Did I use that correctly? Naval gazing right there? Yeah, I mean, there is uh, there is a bit of that, but it's also like we need to con- uh, consider that, like, you know, Matt being the star of the band, he's got to have more songs than Dan, right? Right. So, like, in service of making a record that's not as good, they need to have more songs by the star. Well, wh- why then did the record right before this factor like push dan almost to like a 50 50 with matt am i right crimson has a lot of dan presence in there and the fact that they're like singing together is unique to that record well it's unique to that record it's unique to some of the best songs and it's something they don't do all that much anymore which i think is really a shame this is clearly a record written in a bubble Uh you know this is a record where these people you know, none of these people live in the same place anymore. Yeah. By this point. I think they didn't even buy Crimson. You know, you can get so far with that, but then it's just like, they, they aren't writing together. And that, for the most part, you know, is fully flushing out these demos at home, send them around. Like, you know, there's not a lot of creative input. Is this kind of what you got to roll with when there aren't three guys jamming together and being creative? It's rough. It's rough. Um, what do you rate this song? This is the first time I have to say this on the podcast. I am not going to give any song a zero. So it gets 0.5. But the acoustic version gets a one. I'll give the acoustic version a, a two. Two skulls out of five. And I I'd like to give the... Um, I'm deciding where I'm dividing my skull in half. Mm-hmm. Do you divide from the nose or do you divide from like 
you know, the, the uh, cheek, right? Cross the cheek. Just I, give I, it the jaw. I, I just want the jaw. No, this it's record does be... not deserve a jaw. If this record deserves anything, it's a forehead. <laughs> but I would div- divide up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I give it. I give it the uh, the right eye. I'm not. I'm not bringing Left Eye Lopez into this conversation. Fair enough. If you like what we're doing here, subscribe on iTunes. Tell a friend about the show. Sit back, relax, enjoy the crash. We will be back next week, next Tuesday, for installment number five of As You Were, a podcast about alkaline trio.